Estás en el estudio con Dre, Big H y Triple C. Yo, yo, people, world, what's up? Listen, we back. It's your boys. Silverback Chronicles Podcast, your boy Big H. I got my brother Dre. What's good? What's good? What's good? Happy New Year, bro. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All that good stuff. Listen, people, we got a phenomenal episode tonight. This is a game changer. This is groundbreaking. Legendary, I would say. Legendary. Yeah. From yeah. OG, Triple OG, Triple OG to the fifth power. You heard? But let's get into it. All right. Our sponsors. Starbucks, USA. Don't forget the discount code, all caps, Silverback Podcast. Get you 20% off. Off your SBRs, your pistols, your rifles, your shotguns. It's, it's phenomenal for you. Take care of your family. Keep it away from your kids. All caps, Silverback Podcast, get you 20% off. Give a shout out to ourselves. Don't forget the website, www.silverbackchronicles.com. Get the merchandise. It's cold out. Get you a nice scully. Get you a hoodie. And we got three different flavors for you. Black, navy, and that Bolivian white. Drake, what you got? That's it on the white. <laughs> I like it on the Bolivian white. That's but y'all, we getting into it. It's episode fifty-two, cincuenta y dos. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just ready to jump in. Let me think about this like all week. I couldn't wait. The yeah. man is here. The man is here. But listen, Baltimore, stand up, people, in the world, stand up. Listen, I can't say enough about this man. What he represents in Baltimore itself. But we got an OG on in the building. He gonna keep it official. He gonna keep it a buck. That's the only way he know how to. So it don't get no better than what we got on the platform tonight. But ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, we're not gonna waste no time. Like I said, the man himself, Mister Peanut King, ladies and gentlemen, Mister King. Hello, I want to say happy holidays to everybody. Man, this is the 23rd. It ain't going to be too long before we go into the new year. I mean, uh, my life's been full of of prison and streets. I grew up in poverty. And I started, I, was, I first got locked up, I was seven years old. Seven years old. And from the seven to 16, I've been charged with over 30-something different charges and in and out of juvenile facilities. And at 17, I went to 
adult prison. I was waived on at 17, went to adult prison for armed robbery. Uh, from there, I came home when I was 20. From 20 to 28, I would say from really from 17 all the way up to 28, I was locked up 30-something more times for different cases. I guess you could say at some point that it's like he a minister society, but it wasn't that, that way. I grew up in poverty, and in poverty, people got to do what they got to do in order to try to make it. And today, for me, one of the reasons I wanted to be on this podcast, that things haven't changed uh, that much from what it was then to what it is now. To me personally, I think it's worse because we have a better opportunity to do more today. And I'm glad I can be a part of bridging the gap. And I think this is what the topic is all about today. So I want to go into questions. If you have any specific questions you want to ask. Well, Mr. King, you, 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 mentioned, you mentioned something about how it was back then and how it is now. Like, so you say nothing changed. But I guess the question what I want to know is how, how was it back then? And you said it was a little bit better. It's a little bit. It was a little bit better then because we had more community. Gotcha. Mm. You mean even though it was violence, eighty uh, percent uh, of the community wasn't working. Close to eighty percent of the people grew up in single parent homes. You mean and, but still, it was a lot of community. Right. You mean it was like everybody looked at the one another. Out of all the guests we brought here, they all say the same thing. Community is, is the number one thing they have in common. Oh, that was back in the day it was. Yeah. You mean, but um, I did 37 years of prison. I just got out last year after the ones that 37. And what I saw was a whole different world in terms of community. It's, it's a Baltimore that that took me by surprise. You mean, I didn't know this Baltimore. Wow. You mean some of the people I understood, and that's why I say today is worse than it was then. You mean in terms of poverty, poverty seems to have gotten worse. Uh, you got a system that have a lot of uh, blacks in the mayor's office on the police department, yet they don't seem to be doing nothing for the communities. You mean or not enough, or they can't do it. I mean, I can put that another way. I, in some administrations, it's been better because I've been listening to news even while I was in prison. Uh, but when it gets to today, that I think that uh, people are trying to do better, but it's on an individual basis, and we're going to have to bridge the gap in order to get something done. And that's... At one point, I wasn't too good with police officers. I can tell you all right now. I right. want you to, yeah, of yeah, course. I mean, I mean, and, that's what this is uh, for. To me, the police officers was the problem. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the solution. I mean, they, was, um, they go past around the neighborhoods and they victimize and oppress the community. They wasn't there to give community protection, but more of the opposite. Mm. Uh, I grew up when it wasn't, but like, I could only think of two black police officers that was around in East, East Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And the rest of them was, uh, was white or Irish or something like that. Today is different. Right. 
How was that back then? The white the white officers were they really racist towards you know African Americans in that time, or was it some blacks as well? You know, uh, I think I think the, the few black officers they was really trying to help, but it ain't too much you can uh, do to help because they was on the ground. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too much they can do to help because they got to act to the, act towards their superiors and going a different route. Uh, Baltimore been pretty tough with the. Police department to me, if you was, I would say all the way up until it got noticed in 2015 with the Freddie Gray stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think they've been going in and out of uh, doing things. I think that not as a whole, but you always got some good officers and you got some bad ones. Right. You mean, and it's according to maybe the community. I grew up in a tough community. There was a lot of crime in, involved. And so when the officer came up, he responded, I guess, to what he was trained to be, respond to in that community. You mean, and the people in the community was pretty trained to do what they do when an officer comes up. Right. You mean, so it, it wasn't nothing in the middle that could uh, make uh, too much sense. Right. To bring mean, them together. In, in terms of bridging the gap. Gotcha. Ain't no bridging the gap. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't happening. Ain't no bridging the gap. Right. So th- when you get to... Uh, the mayor's office, it's pretty much the same thing. They, I guess in the in the pit, when I call it a pit, it's like into poverty. They like the people that they wasn't concerned about that much. You're concerned about middle class or the taxpayers, and there ain't, wasn't that many people having jobs there. So it was a little different. So, how, how did you feel? Of course, the media paints the picture of you being the biggest kingpin and label you as such how do you well, feel about that well i mean they're entitled to that i mean to me i did try to do the best i could do with uh, what was available and if there was you I mean drugs and crime i mean that was that was pretty much me mm-hmm. and at the time i really I mean i love what i was doing absolutely there's no doubt about it and i'm thinking that i'm doing the best for my community and the people I care about on my own. You mean, because I couldn't get no help from the police department to help the community or me outside of being oppressed. I couldn't get no help from no one else and even in terms of jobs and I don't know, it, it get tough. I'd like to ask even one of y'all a question. Please if, do. If you, uh, what could you do with a kid? They got two Younger siblings, he's 16. He go look in the refrigerator, and there's nothing to eat. And there's coal in there, and it's in the wintertime. And he said, I'm going to go out and try to make something happen. What could you do to make him stop? Well, coming from where I'm from, I can understand what that. I understand where that, where, where, where that stems from, or how it can make you feel. And making you want to do something just to put... A nice hot plate for for yourself and your siblings. So, coming from that element, that area, knowing what I know now, and guiding people and delegating people, it's all about resources. So, it's nothing for me to break down that barrier if I can with that young child. Which most of the time I do, based off my rapport and how I present myself to people. It's nothing to talk to that individual. Let him know. Listen, I've been there, bro. I understand what you're going through. But listen, we're doing something different now. 
You don't have to go out here and rob and steal. Let me show you another way. Let me let me give you a plan of action to better yourself so that you and, and bettering yourself, you can better your siblings' future and your future. So here's some resources, people that I'm gonna reach out to personally, just to put you on board, to shape you any way I can. And it's not a just it's not just about me. It's about having other people. You know, that that saying is true. It takes a village to raise a child. Sometimes that village comes in 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 a blue uniform, especially when it's coming from the white one. That's going to put you on that right path. Because when you've been there, you know what that feeling is like. You'd be be a damn fool if if you continue that cycle. How does that culture change without having the right ones and position them in in power to help that kid, to help that family? I mean, so the question was asked to me, I feel about it uh, with the drug game and out in the streets and uh, doing different crimes and stuff to make it. The way I saw it, that I was really helping the community more than I was hurting. You mean, because I was that source that where you could go come get something to eat, you can get something to eat for me. Absolutely. If you had a bill, you could get some money to help pay your bill. If it was something else going on and I could stop it, I, w- I would stop it. Mm-hmm. You mean, so I was a, a source of help for the community even though I was doing wrong at the time. I mean, it took me a while to realize that I was hurting more than I was helping. And, that, and when I say a while, it took me throughout this 37 years before it really hit me through uh, continuing in education, reading, studying, and looking at the issues as they was coming up, that I was actually hurting the community more than I was helping it. Mm-hmm. You mean, but still at the time I'm thinking I'm doing the best I can to help it. And I don't, didn't see nothing wrong with it at all. You mean, I guess today I would say there are other ways to do it. If, um, if the police department, and I heard what you said, you mean, but you one person, but if the police department would try to uh, bridge a gap where they could be assisting in community instead of oppressing then I don't see uh, nothing wrong because it's about helping the community at the end of the day. You I mean, today I see like com- the neighborhoods, blocks of houses, it might be up to close to 18,000 vacancies in Baltimore mm-hmm. uh, today. Yep. And there's trash and stuff everywhere. You I mean, so after a while, living in those areas, it, it takes a psychological effect on the kid. Absolutely, yep. <clears throat> I mean, with, with the violence and stuff that's going on with uh, youngsters today, I guess if we was to uh, bridge a gap between uh, policies that's pushed out through the mayor's office and and city council and the police department and the community leaders, I mean, together, I think it could make a difference. And I have a program. My program is King Renaissance. It's designed around returning citizens. Mm. And... The thing is to bring down recidivism and and start working towards uh, the violence, to break it down, because a lot of the times we are self-inflicting. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, a few other programs, and that's Positive Impact 410 and Challenge to Change. I mean, it's a few groups, some other groups, but these groups that's on the ground really trying to make a difference mm-hmm. right. uh, with what's going on down here. <clears throat> I mean, I've read articles that you did help the community as far as, like, um, you know, feeding people and 
at the time, you know? It's it's documented. But when it, when it comes to the police department, the community has to understand that we're there to provide a specific service. Um, as far as, like, cleaning the community, vacants, and, and, like, programs. Like, I know PAO or... What what did they call it here? I forgot, I forgot, I'm sorry, I forgot. What yeah, that's Pow Pow. Yeah, they call it Pow down here too. Mm-hmm. Like Police Athletic League, right? Mm-hmm. But they got that, that was closed down, but it wasn't like our choice. It came from like the lack of funding from you know downtown. Things like that need to be implemented again, so that these kids have you know places to go because we have neighborhood services units. If you these, grow, I don't want to uh, cut you off. You grew up uh, and. Uh, Different, they got different traditions. I guess you're from New York. I guess in New York, y'all got uh, traditions of how you live. You mean you got Brooklyn? Brooklyn grew up a certain way. Manhattan, you mean mm-hmm. you got right. con- traditions in every community. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing here in Baltimore. You got traditions. You mean the kids grow up and that's what they know. You mean that's how they learn. And this stuff been passed down from yeah. generation uh, to generation. And up until now, what you see now is what's been going on. Mm-hmm. So with Bridging the Gap, Bridging the Gap is like a new beginning. I mean, people might have thought of it, but into working towards Bridging the Gap, I haven't seen it. I mean, it's been a lot of talk. Programs right. been implemented, but the gap never got bridged. Gotcha. Right. You mean, so if if this is a true... Uh, sign of bridging the gap. I know I'm 100 percent uh, in it. When I was into crime, I was 110 percent in. Gotta be, and uh, that's the way it was. And whatever come with it, come with it. Mm-hmm. But today, it's another way to get things done because my desire is still to help the community and help the youth uh, to move forward and live productive lives. But we can do it in a way where we don't have to continue to hurt ourselves. And be able to uh, grow out of certain conditions. Um, let me ask you a question. How How's that conversation now with you talking to the youth? I talk to the youth all the time, but I can understand the youth. I mean, I can understand the traditions. You mean, mm-hmm. but to say something is bridging the gap, say something is uh, we got a chance to change. You mean, you're just saying something. Now it comes down to producing it. They got to see it. Now I'm right. talking about just the personal, just you talking individually. With I with, go out every day. How's that conversation with them? I have a great conversation with the youth. I mean, great. I got a great rapport with the youth. Right. I'm sure you do. I'm just curious on you know what what, what they get from you as opposed to what they get from somebody else in preaching. To oh, them. what they get from me is real. You mean that I understand the traditions, what they grew up with, I understand why they are where they at. And if I know more about their personal situation in terms of housing and uh, parents' situation, I can understand that. A lot of things happen with mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lock up all of the men, and this has been going on on record since uh, 1994, but it's been before then. You get mass incarceration, so who bring the kids up? The kids got to be raised up on their own, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not a whole lot of older people that from where they're at that can tell them this story you mean but today there's a lot of people coming home and there are a lot of us out there uh talking including me and talking to the kids and trying to show them another way but we got to walk them through it 
and walking them through it, we need help. And then help is bridging, bridging the gap. Because I can't do it alone. Absolutely. Right. I mean, if if a kid get, to me, if a kid get locked up for some bullshit in the community, instead of getting locking them up, I mean, why you just can't take them home and look and try to talk to them? That's where you can help them. You mean when they done fucked up and you got them? Absolutely. Now, this is the time, man. Come on, man. Let me I'm take gonna, you home so I can I'm talk to you. I'm going to take you home there. and we're going to make some, make some sense of this. Absolutely. Right. You mean, that's what bridging the gap is to me with, Police officers. That's what it is. It's, it's, when it's when not, an officer is able to do that, right? then I can say they're working towards bridging the gap. Because it's not about locking the kid up. It ain't about locking them up. Right. When you lock a kid up with juveniles, they're spending $148,000 a year to keep a juvenile in prison. You mean, and it's been said 76% with recidivism, 76% of the kids that come home from juvenile facility um, goes back mm-hmm. in two years. 85% in no, two years. Mm-hmm. 85% goes back in five years. Mm-hmm. So is the juvenile system actually working? I mean, if they keep going back, as a juvenile, when I got locked up, the same people I saw in the prisons at 12, I saw in the penitentiary at 65. Mm. I mean, so if they were still living. Right. So I mean, is is the well, I mean, is it actually working? Is it actually working? Is it better for the state to lock a uh, young kid up and make the spend the one hundred and forty eight thousand on them and create jobs versus the kid coming out in two years seventy six percent going back into juvenile services? I mean, these are problems we got to work with with bridging the gap. Yeah, it's going to take all of us, right? Can you um, speak to um, when we were talking um, off camera, um, you like really schooled me on like consistency. So me coming from South Baltimore, like you said, like I said, I go out there and talk to them every now and then. You like, no, but consistency is the thing that's going to help them. Yeah. Can you expound upon yeah. that as well? If, about being consistent. If, if, if you go out there, if you do have a good system in your head and you, you go to a kid and you tell them all of this advice where you give up your resources and, all of that kind of stuff to help them move forward. If you ain't out there with that kid every day, and that kid can't reach you every day, that shit don't mean nothing. That's, it don't mean nothing to them kids. Mm-hmm. You mean they say, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, I guess at the end you go home and live in you, you mean you'll pick a fence somewhere. You mean, but they got to live down there in the pit and try to make things happen the way, best way they can. So until we're able to, to bridge the gap and be there for that kid every day, when they need us, we just a call away. If we're not right there, we're a call away. All right. We'll get there. I mean, we can get some type of influence on the situation and let him know that he is cared for and, and it do make a difference. And he make a difference in what happens today and how he move forward. Then we got a great chance of uh, winning the battle. I agree. I agree. But you know what? That also has got to be reinforced at home as well. That's a huge part. Because reality is... You reaching that officer every day on top of the things that we have to do. We're not going to be there every beck and call, but a phone call, talking, absolutely. Being face-to-face every day, that's just not reality. Yeah. And bridging the gap, it ain't about the officer only. And, and bridging the gap is about everybody, the leaders in the community that he mm-hmm. can reach. It's about a good family member if they have a good family member. Right. Absolutely. And it's about the officer. 
and it's about the court systems that understand uh, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because with all of the people getting knocked up, all of the people getting killed, the, the murder rate keep going up and crime and haven't changed. I mean, this has been going on year after year. One administration come in and they say this and uh, another police commissioner come on and he going to do it this way. But at the end of the day, the numbers come out the same. Yep, that is true. I mean, so you got all these great ideas, but what's really making a difference? You got all of these programs with different things you do, but don't nothing change with the numbers. I mean, so it, it seemed like the same thing that's going on with the juvenile uh, facility with 148000 a year for one kid that you won't give 5000 to to stay out of jail. But you'll spend 148000 to put them in juvenile facility. Mm. I mean, and, and bridging the gap, it means that everybody get down together and support one another. If I can't be there, then I can call on someone else. Look, I can't make it. Tell them I'll be there the next time while I catch them later. But I can't be there. And I can explain it when I do see them. It's about keeping your word. Absolutely. And being responsible. You yeah. mean for people that's less. Right. Absolutely. And that means more than anything to them is your word. Because when you come from that, man, and, and you see just a, a speck of light at the end of that tunnel, and you rely on that. And if that person doesn't follow through with it, it just crushes your dreams completely. Yeah, they used to being crushed. They, yeah. grew, they grew up being crushed. They grew a up, bunch uh, of lying motherfuckers. They, they're used to it. They, people spill, put their best line out. And they, I mean, if it helps them as a, through that day, it helps them, but it don't help the kid none. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're used to that lie. But when you're there and it ain't a lie, it makes a difference. Right. And, um, that's the best thing. Uh, I, I like the title with Bridging the Gap. I think that's what's really needed. You mean for community leaders, police officers, mayor's office, governor's office. You mean everybody join in with trying to help. If you want to bring these numbers down with the violence, just helping people begin to live. I mean, right. you're, how are you going to live in deep poverty and then somebody else that's living in a whole different situation with a whole different uh, set up of uh, economic situations, and then you say that uh, you need to change this and you need to change that. How can you tell me that? Right, right. When they were never taught. You mean you, you you're not you're not living down here? Right. After you finish your speech, you go right back home. Right. right. Yep. It's a sad reality. It's crazy that that's like every hood across this country. All hoods are like they all have the same issues. Yeah, but in, until that gap is bridged. Right. I mean, hopefully, like, Baltimore could be a model. Right, that with, would be nice. Uh, and making a change, because it can change. But it can't change just because you put the gun down. But you got to, it's about your living conditions. There's got to be employment. It's a living conditions. You mean, you got to live in a house where you're comfortable with sleeping there without bed bugs and all that stuff. Where, food, where there is food in the refrigerator. Absolutely. Like, I'm a firm believer, right, because of this, because of this, what I do for a living. And the way I grew up, I'm a firm believer that I would say 90% of people are not bad. I believe it's the circumstances they're, where they grew up, if they feel like they got to make something shake, like they got a daughter, a little baby, and, and there's no job, they're going to go outside and they're going to make something happen. But if there's work, whether it's a factory, whether it's anything, I feel like 
most human beings will go to work instead of choosing to go the other way. Okay. I don't believe that. I said it earlier. It's like I can live in this house, and I believe like I chose crime to come out of poverty. Because of your circumstances. I, yeah, because of my circumstances. Right. I personally, I chose crime. But the guy next door to me, his whole family chose education. He's living in the same poverty. Yeah. I had a sister that chose education. She living in the same house. You mean just that my personal choice, I chose crime. You mean you got some people, they could choose religion. Some people could choose school. Uh, some people could um, dream and hold on to the dream that one day I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You mean, but I was for me, I was dreamed out. You mean the only way that I saw that? I, I felt right. it. Yeah. <laughs> he I said mean, enough is enough of this true. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get mine. Right. I'm right. make some changes. And if I can help somebody else along the way, I'm helping. And it's an open door to anybody that want help that's coming this way. You mean, but today I'm saying the same thing. To say I'm saying I'm saying the same thing, I'm 100% in, but I'm going the other way. You mean without crime. You mean, there's so many other ways to get this done. Yeah. Right. And you keep your morals. You keep your principles. It ain't about that like you got to rat on somebody to make it. You could be a man and make it. Absolutely. Mm. You, mean, you ain't got to tell on nobody. You could just stand up and say, this is what I want. I'm going to work for it. Right. Can you also talk about um, your civil actions as well um, early on in, in the 60s as well that kind of shaped the kind of leader that you were and the leader that you are? Like some of the civil, um, some of the things that were going on, even in Baltimore, um, that you were frontlining. Uh, uh, we was talking about uh, when I was in prison. Uh, it was this correction officer. He seen this kid. He was the kid used to be a crack seller. He used to sell crack. So the correction officer talking real dirty to him, man, get your ass in the motherfucking unit and talking real bad to him. So I'm looking at him, and I went up to the officer, man, I need to talk to you. Can I talk to you for a minute, straight up? I, you're not an officer. I'm not in. I want to talk to you man to man. So he said, well, sure, we can have that conversation. So I said, well, in the 60s, specifically 68, I was on the front line for civil rights out there riding, tearing up shit. And every time something happened anywhere, they had to be involved with a black, we responded to it. And in the process of it, I became a minister of society. Cause I keep getting locked up for crazy shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, but some of my anger was towards things that was going on around me. So now I'm saying that after 68, it was a sad thing about Martin Luther King, but what it did is open up a whole lot of doors for blacks. Now it wasn't just two police officers in my community no more. That was black. They started harm blacks all over the, around the country with different things. You mean, well, it was a lot different. So I'm telling the officer that, like, it wasn't no black officers in the federal system uh, 20 years ago. Now, we over 50% of here. What you think that came from? Mm-hmm. You mean, you could look at my file. My file said, I got locked up that day. You <laughs> <laughs> mean, That's so now, like now, you weeping the benefits of it. You mean, with affirmative action... You're reaching the benefits of it where you're allowed to have this job. Now you're going to put your nose up on somebody else. 
So he said, well, uh, Mr. King, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, speaking to you. I respect you. But I said, you got to respect that kid, too. I mean, that kid is going through his journey. Right, right. I mean, he's not going to always be that way. I mean, you got to work with him. That's part of bridging the gap. Understanding Grooming. where a kid is at, how they got there, and giving them the space to come out of it. Mm. Wow. Powerful. I love it. Yeah, that's <laughs> profounding. You know what I'm saying? So, 37 years, how was that, man? Like, what? what's your mental got to be like to do 37 years? Uh, the way I saw it, I mean, doing 37 years, it just, to me, it was, I didn't look at it all the time. I looked at uh, one day at a time, one week at a time, uh, one book at a time, one mm. project at a time. You I mean, doing what I could uh, this year or this month to make it through the next month and through the next year. Mm. And you keep working your way through. You keep reading books and you keep pushing and looking at things that's going on and trying to make a difference inside as well as outside. I mean, with your knowledge base as you begin to understand more. And it evolved to where I'm at now. I mean, my focus haven't changed with helping the community. The only thing changes the way I can go about helping the community. Right. So personal development, reading, educating yourself, that's prepared you for the new life that you're taking on now. And not just that, and understanding what's around me, understanding mm -hmm. the youth around me, understanding the different traditions and how they was forced on. Some of the youth might be assholes, but they might have a good right to be assholes according to what they had to go through. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you mean, so now it comes down to bridging the gap. It's, it comes down to understanding that kid. Right. And, or that adult. Understanding them and try to work with them, giving them information, let them know that, you mean, you, you there too. I can understand. I've been through every step. Yeah, because some, some adults are some big-ass kids too now. Yeah. I've been through every step. Right. I mean, it, it ain't no step I don't think I didn't miss with being fucked up. You mean, in terms of trying to make it, doing whatever I can. Uh, they, I must have done everything I could think of doing. <laughs> you mean, but, you mean, but you mean, it's a miracle I made it through, and my focus hasn't changed. My focus is still the community, and I'm fighting hard every day with right. trying to bridge the gap between, you mean, the minorities. Right. People that don't have nothing to bring them up to let them know that they can because the city is torn. Absolutely. Yeah, in a way that has never been torn before. You know what? One of the biggest reasons why we wanted to do this podcast is to let people know that we're here to serve. We, every voice needs to be heard. This podcast is just, it's not about us. Of course, we do the job. We do the job the way it's supposed to get done and our interactions with the inner city youth and dealing with them where we worked made things easier. So that's why we want to bring everybody on. I'm honored to be here to talk uh, to you all. And I've been trying hard since I've been out. I've been in the governor's office uh, explaining the way I uh, see things, how they've been and where they're at and how I think they could change. I went in the mayor's office doing the same thing. Uh, I continue to express myself to city council. Uh, I'm in the community as much as possible. You mean I'm always a phone call away. You mean so? Uh, I only I've been home now for eighteen months. Wow, how's that been? 
it's, it's been a working process, but <laughs> well, well, I tell you, you look mean, good. But I've been yeah, I've been working good. it. Let me hold something. I know you got it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah man. But I'm actually working hard uh, in trying to to show because you got to be example of what could happen. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, and if I don't look good, I mean, how can I help you look good? I know that's right. right. My man, they got no socks on. Oh, look at that. Yeah. And it's cold Proud as hell. That's all right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but that's what it is. Right. Nah, that's a beautiful thing. So you grew up on the east side? Yes, I grew up on the east side. Nice. Now, when you go, <laughs> when you travel by the east side, what's it like now? How, well, you know, how's the energy? The energy is good with me in the community. So, I mean, all over the east side, west side, south side. I mean, anywhere I go in Baltimore, it's pretty much uh, the same thing. It's all love. It's, it's all, all love. love. I mean, because yeah. I didn't did as much as I could do when I was going one way, and I'm still doing much as I can do when I'm going this way. You mean, so it ain't the way I'm going is where my heart was at. My heart was doing the same way, doing much as I could do. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I swear, you're, you're a pillar and what we're trying to do, and uh, I'm—it's honored, you know, just to have you on, just to get your perspective. You know, like you said, we can't do this by ourselves. So, what better person than to have than you? That's born and raised from here, and and you're still active and out there trying to serve the community and let them know and let them know it's a better way out. Right. And and you know, <laughs> who better than you that's been there and done that? Yeah, I mean, I don't want nobody to serve 37 years in prison or life in prison because of something that they overlooked. You mean, because while you're doing a bit, you're going to be running into the law library and, and trying to figure all this shit out and say, damn, it was, uh, it was why I made one mistake. Right. Yep. You mean, so what I'm saying is that my, maybe my life could be an experience for other people to learn from. Mm. Yep. You mean, maybe it's, it's a mistake that I can correct before it get too late. You mean, because if you want to be there for your kids and your family, you can do that and still make it to where you go at it and you still could be standing up straight. You mean, there ain't nothing wrong with uh, working or getting a business and working your way up and being able to take care of your family and look out for your community. That's right. awesome. I mean, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's what it's all about anyway. Yes, sir. I mean, Mr. King, like, you know what you lived and now with your testimony, you are helping people. You are helping save lives. Because now, like he said, you they getting it from a real one. And if you say, yo, there's a better way, they're going to take your word for it. You know? Yeah. I just said it to a youngster before in another way. It's like, when you look at me, what you looking at? Mm. And then I could tell you what I'm looking at when I look at you. I know Ooh. that's right. Yeah. See? Damn. What the fuck? Give him a couple minutes, it's going to come out. damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. Shit. Uh, that, yeah, that shit gave me goosebumps. Right. That's real. I haven't heard something like that in a while. But that's a fact. So, Mr. King, in your spare time, what do you like to do? What what outlets do you have? Do you like to play chess? I play chess uh, some. Yeah, man, I was just talking to my man over here. He got this poker game back there. Uh, <laughs> the I don't know nothing yet. Yeah. I, I keep telling him. Peeping it. I do hold him all day. He, he been peeping it. He said, <laughs> he been checking it out? Yeah, bro. He was like, he trying to get me to play. I said, mm-mm. I know about my OGs. Yeah, yeah but I, I I do play chess. You mean, but what I really like to do is 
work towards, you mean, helping somebody else trying to get themselves together. That's perfect. I mean, that's what I really like to do. I mean, I do that even when I play. Right. You mean that's you mean that's what I do. That's giving it one hundred percent. Anything I could do, anywhere I'm at, it's a part of that. So you'd say uh, your life's work from here on out is just whoever you could talk to. Yeah, it's reach. a part of everything I do. I mean, I'm I'm here to try to serve and help in any way I can, even though I'm enjoying myself. But in enjoying myself, I'm still working. Absolutely. Now that's beautiful. Are you a Ravens fan? Yes, and I'm definitely a Raven fan. Okay. And I guess you New York Giants. No, I'm, don't do that. We play, I'm, I'm Jets all day. I think we play y'all this week. Giants all year. Giants all year. Yeah, you play the Giants this week. Yeah, you're a Jeff fan. I'm a Giant fan. Yeah, I hope we smash y'all this week. <laughs> I mean, Lamar. Lamar's a problem, I mean. Yeah, Lamar's a beast, man. I ain't gonna lie. He's probably gonna switch cheese that defense, so I, I, I'm already expecting that. Right. I mean, Mr. K, I mean, I'm more so of a historian, right? Like, I love history. Okay. Let me ask you a, a, a question about history. Um, and it's about drugs because I I love, like, getting drugs arrested. I grew up, like, my mom's just a substance abuse counselor. Where I grew up, it was a very heavy, heavy, heavy cocaine-based neighborhood. Now, my question is, Baltimore City. Why the why is Baltimore City a heroin city instead of like you know like LA's a cocaine city? You know, you go to the hood, they mo- they do like crack, but why is cuz I I think of the East Coast and I think of like heroin on the East Coast, you only really think about Baltimore. Cuz heroin's not really that big in New York City or in Boston. Why 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 was it like how did that come about? The heroin was big in New York. I, I don't know, maybe right now. That was crack. No, we talking about before 86, 84. See, this I like we talking history. about we we talking about we going back a little bit. Like yeah, 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 yeah. In the sixties and seventies. I mean, New York cocaine and crack wasn't even heard of, but cocaine was was thin. I guess that was a rich guy's high or something. Right. Always I mean, but been. More, but more to the streets it Our was stories. it was uh Something different, but every decade it seemed like things change. They go from heroin to coke to crack to uh, perps to, you mean something like every ten years it seemed like the whole thing switches so, and oh. it goes from one thing to another. I mean, that's just from my personal observation. And no, that, that actually uh, makes sense. That actually makes sense. And so. that when people respond, uh, they responding from what they grew up in. You mean you could hold some of the same traditions, but. You're responding from what you grew up in, and the, the drugs change. You mean the highs change? I mean, but tra- the traditions and the way people live, pretty much, stay parallel. You mean, and, and and we're losing. We're losing. I think it's very important to go back to bridge the gap that yes. we're losing all the way around that rim. You mean in terms of uh, young youth. Uh, coming up, are we using a lot of more mothers today to violence? We we losing the kids today in a more vicious way to violence, and um, and it's something that got to be looked at. I mean, uh, I commend um, Mayor Scott when he talk about this comprehensive plan. Uh, I haven't yet to see it, but it's something that it's the only way. This can happen. I don't have the resources to um, make the changes that I think that's needed. 
is going to have to take a bridge. It's going to have to take a co- different two communities to come together to get this done because I don't have the resources to do it. Right. I mean, I could do what I can personally. You mean, I could help one person at a time or maybe a small group at a time from a personal perspective, but we need the community, we need the mayor's office, we need the police department, and everything else we can get, I mean, we need in terms of access to uh, change this thing. And I think everybody's mind is there. I think all the attention is there to, to do it. So now it, it comes down uh, to doing it. One thing for sure, I'm going to be 100% with what I do. I don't really care about if somebody, if somebody else hold up or not. There you go. Get a mic. You mean, I'm going I'm, to I'm do me. Absolutely. You mean, and, uh, and, and, and that community and everybody else can count on that. And that's one reason why I'm here today. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. We want the community to know that, you know, this podcast, we love the voice. We love everybody to come in and just tell us how you feel. Yeah, because everybody has a story. Right. That could contribute to help other people live better. Absolutely. Not make the same mistakes. Because that's what it's about. You know, yeah. it's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But so far, that's where we west where we've been at. Right, right. You mean, but I really think that we are at the cornerstone of making a change. I hope, you know, I hope we are because we definitely gonna do our part. Right. And I also want to let you know what uh, what was it? it? It was King Renaissance. Yeah, King Renaissance. Listen, if you if you need some. Phenomenal looking detectives to come on out there and help you. I'm, you know, we with it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's nothing like putting boots to the concrete. It, it's, it's definitely gonna come a time where everybody's gonna need to be there. Yeah. I mean, if any support that I can get from uh, any group or organization in terms of helping, because it, it's all a whole. You got to look at it from a whole perspective. I mean, holistically instead of, you mean from the side. It ain't no side part. Right. It ain't no stop. It, it might be something I could do in an environment that maybe nobody else could do. If, if that's the case, let me get in there. Absolutely. You mean, if it's something that you could do that nobody else can do, I mean, move out the way and let you in there. Absolutely. Yeah. You that's mean, and, and that's how we got to get this done. Yes, sir. Couldn't agree with you more. Be. Absolutely. Triple C. Yo. What else you got, baby? Not man. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I would listen. Where we at? Episode 52. 52. I enjoyed uh, this conversation and being on the podcast. I, I really like the topic, Bridging the Gap. And if it's something I could do anytime. You mean I'm open to it? Well, sir, you're more than welcome to come back. I appreciate you, sir. If there's anything we could do in helping you, let's do it. Because it's nothing like being on the same page and actually putting the action plan together and going about handling it. Because the more they see us, the more they see you, the more they see both of us together, the more it knocks down that bridge. Yep. It solidifies. And more, and more, and more build that bridge. And it builds it. It builds it. It, br- it builds that rapport. It lets them know that we're not just talking. We got a face to come with what we're doing. Yes. And that goes a long way. So if anything we could do, Please let us know, and we'll be there. That's not that's not a problem at all. But um, and we also believe this is a amazing town. This I town love Baltimore. Has, this town has so much potential. So like, 
you said with us together. Right. It just makes everything easier. Absolutely. And growth could come out of that, more growth in those neighborhoods that need it. Because they really do need it. Yeah, absolutely. It ain't just the nice areas. No. You know, this whole city, when you drive around, is dope. Like, it's it's a beautiful city. But, you know, it needs, it needs that TLC. That's it. A lot of it. Yeah, that's it. There's a lot of opportunity. I guess the thing yeah. for us to do is make it happen because it's here. Yes, sir. Ain't no reason why Amazon has like the largest warehouses here. <laughs> They're building up a new, there's a new warehouse in Amazon here for a reason. Yeah. Like every week. Because they see the opportunity in this town. And it's the location, like geographically, like it's just beautiful. It's everything. So, Triple C. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take this time to thank Mr. Peanut King for coming out. Uh, he's such a pillar to Baltimore and the community and just the city itself. And what better way to have someone of his stature come here and, and drop a jewel on the earth yeah. and the world. That's someone that's been there and done that. And someone that agrees with our perspective of bridging the gap. It don't get no better than this. This is the direction we're going. And we're trying to just help it, help and uplift everybody. And don't forget to smile. Just smile and love each other. That's all we're here to do. By the way, this is episode 52. Joy, what you got? Peace and love. Peace and love. Mr. King, would you like to shout out anybody before we depart, sir? If you want to get in contact, you get King Renaissance Inc. Or Positive Impact 1410. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody, man. And hopefully that we can get this done, moving to 2021 the right way. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, that's about it. That's not my phone. It's <laughs> all good. But everybody be safe. Enjoy your weekends. We appreciate you. It's your boys. Don't forget that website, www.silverbackchronicles.com. Be safe. Be cool. Okay. Okay. I was on doing a podcast. Yeah, Miss King here on the phone. I mean, yo, (laughs) that man can do whatever he wants. That's right there. (laughs) He can do whatever he (laughs) wants. You know what I'm saying? That's organic. He can do whatever he (laughs) wants. But, uh. cut my phone off. It's all love, baby. Be safe, everybody. Peace and love. And we'll see you next week. Come back for 53. 53. Got a treat for you. The views and opinions expressed on the Silverback Podcast are those of the hosts, producers, and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the federal, state, or local government. This includes, but not exclusive to, the Department of Defense and or the Baltimore City Police Department.